0: Episode forty-three. Hedwig spread her wings and took off into the sunrise. Harry watched her out of sight with the familiar feeling of unease back in his stomach. He had been so sure that Sirius's reply would alleviate his worries rather than increasing them. That was a lie, Harry said Hermione sharply over breakfast, when he told her and Ron what he had done. You didn't imagine your scar hurting, and you know it. So what, said Harry. He's not going back to Azkaban because of me. Drop it, said Ron sharply to Hermione as she opened her mouth to argue some more. And for once, Hermione heeded him and fell silent he did his best not to worry about sirius over the next couple of weeks true he could not stop himself from looking anxiously around every morning when the post owls arrived nor late at night before he went to sleep prevent himself seeing horrible visions of sirius cornered by dementors down some dark london street but between times he tried to keep his mind off his godfather He wished he still had Quidditch to distract him. Nothing worked so well on a troubled mind as a good, hard training session. On the other hand, their lessons were becoming more difficult and demanding than ever before, particularly defense against the dark arts. To their surprise, Professor Moody had announced that he would be putting the Imperious Curse on each of them in turn, to demonstrate its power and to see whether they could resist its effects. But but you said it's illegal, Professor, said Hermione uncertainly as Moody cleared away the desks with a sweep of his wand, leaving a large clear space in the middle of the room. You said to use it against another human was... Dumbledore wants you taught what it feels like, said Moody. "'his magical eye swiveling onto Hermione "'and fixing her with an eerie, unblinking stare. "'If you'd rather learn the hard way "'when someone's putting it on you "'so they can control you completely, "'fine by me. "'You're excused. "'Off you go.' "'He pointed one gnarled finger toward the door. "'Hermione went very pink "'and muttered something about not meaning "'that she wanted to leave.' Harry and Ron grinned at each other. They knew Hermione would rather eat boobatuber pus than miss such an important lesson. Moody began to beckon students forwards in turn and put the imperious curse upon them. Harry watched as one by one his classmates did the most extraordinary things under its influence. Dean Thomas hopped three times around the room, singing the national anthem. Lavender Brown imitated a squirrel. Neville performed a series of quite astonishing gymnastics he would certainly not have been capable of in his normal state. Not one of them seemed to be able to fight the curse off, and each of them recovered only when Moody had removed it. Butter, Moody growled. You next. Harry moved forward into the middle of the classroom into the space that Moody had cleared of desks. Moody raised his wand, pointed it at Harry, and said, "'Imperial!' It was the most wonderful feeling. Harry felt a floating sensation as every thought and worry in his head was wiped gently away, leaving nothing but a vague, untraceable happiness. He stood there feeling immensely relaxed, "'only dimly aware of everyone watching him. "'And then he heard Mad-Eye Moody's voice "'echoing in some distant chamber of his empty brain.
1: "'Jump onto
0: the desk. Jump onto the desk.' "'Harry bent his knees obediently, preparing to spring. "'Jump onto the desk. "'Why, though?' "'Another voice had awoken in the back of his brain.' "'Stupid thing to do, really,' said the voice. "'Jump onto the desk!' "'No, I don't think I will, thanks,' said the other voice, a little more firmly. "'No, I don't really want to. Jump now!' "'The next thing Harry felt was considerable pain. "'He had both jumped and tried to prevent himself from jumping. "'The result was that he'd smashed headlong into the desk.' knocking it over and, by the feeling in his legs, fractured both his kneecaps. Now that's more like it, growled Moody's voice. And suddenly, Harry felt the empty, echoing feeling in his head disappear. He remembered exactly what was happening, and the pain in his knees seemed to double. Look at that, you lot. Potter fought. He fought it, and he damn near beat it. We'll try that again, Potter, and the rest of you pay attention. Watch his eyes, that's where you see it. Very good, Potter, very good indeed. They'll have trouble controlling you. The way he talks, Harry muttered as he hobbled out of the Defense Against the Dark Arts class an hour later. Moody had insisted on putting Harry through his paces four times in a row until Harry could throw the curse off entirely do you think we were all going to be attacked any second? Yeah, I know, said Ron, who was skipping on every alternate step. He had had much more difficulty with the curse than Harry, though Moody assured him the effects would have worn off by lunchtime. Talk about paranoid. Ron glanced nervously over his shoulder to check that Moody was definitely out of earshot and went on. No wonder they were glad to get shot of him at the ministry. Did you hear him telling Seamus what he did to that witch who shouted boo behind him on April Fool's Day? And when are we supposed to read up on resisting the imperious curse with everything else we got to do? All of the fourth years had noticed a definite increase in the amount of work they were required to do this term. Professor McGonagall explained why when the class gave a particularly loud groan at the amount of transfiguration homework she had set. "'You are now entering the most important phase "'of your magical education,' she told them, "'her eyes glinting dangerously behind her square spectacles. "'Your ordinary wizarding levels are drawing closer.' "'We don't take owls till the fifth year,' "'said Dean Thomas indignantly. "'Maybe not, Thomas.' "'But believe me, you need all the preparation you can get. "'Miss Granger remains the only person in this class "'who has managed to turn a hedgehog into a satisfactory pincushion. "'I might remind you that your pincushion, Thomas, "'still curls up in fright if anyone approaches it with a pin.' "'Hermione, who had turned rather pink again, "'seemed to be trying not to look too pleased with herself.' Harry and Ron were deeply amused when Professor Trelawney told them that they had received top marks for their homework in their next divination class. She read out large portions of their predictions, commending them for their unflinching acceptance of the horrors in store for them. But they were less amused when she asked them to do the same thing for the month after next. Both of them were running out of ideas for catastrophes. Meanwhile, Professor Binns, the ghost who taught history of magic, had them writing weekly essays on the goblin rebellions of the 18th century. Professor Snape was forcing them to research antidotes. They took this seriously, as he had hinted that he might be poisoning one of them before Christmas to see if their antidote worked. Professor Flitwick had asked them to read three extra books in preparation for their lesson on summoning charms— Even Hagrid was adding to their workload. The blast-ended Scroots were growing at a remarkable pace, given that nobody had yet discovered what they ate. Hagrid was delighted, and as part of their project, suggested that they come down to his hut on alternate evenings to observe the Scroots and make notes on their extraordinary behavior. I will not, said Draco Malfoy flatly, when Hagrid had proposed this with the air of Father Christmas pulling an extra-large toy out of his sack. I say enough of these foul things during lessons, thanks. Hagrid's smile faded from his face. You'll do what you're told, he growled, or I'll be taking a leaf out of Professor Moody's book. I hear you made a good ferret, Malfoy. (laughs) The Gryffindors roared with laughter. Malfoy flushed with anger, but apparently the memory of Moody's punishment was still sufficiently painful to stop him retorting.